welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to just show you a picture of uh, one of my sons. I've got three sons, as many of you may know, and I've got a picture of one of my sons uh, at the Royal Show with me this year when he was six years of age. And Oh, there he is. There it is, right in the middle. So this is Benjamin, and we're about to go on the Mad Mouse. I think it's called something else now, but when I was growing up as a kid, it was called the Mad Mouse. Who remembers the Mad Mouse? All right. Now, I haven't been on the Mad Mouse for about 20 years. And so my son, who's six at that time, says, Dad, can we go on, the, on this, uh, whatever the ride's called now, can we go on it? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. I don't really want to go on this, but anyway, uh, let's go on it. And uh, we went on this little roller coaster, and I was really praying that uh, Benjamin just wouldn't vomit. He gets motion sickness, and, uh, and uh, you can see him smiling there now. Uh, I was just hoping he was going to be smiling. He didn't have his mouth open like that halfway through, because uh, I remember another time when we were flying on a plane somewhere for a number of hours, and Benjamin was a lot younger, got motion sickness, and vomited all over me. And uh, who's ever had a child vomit on you? Put your hand up. Had a child vomit on you. It's not a pleasant experience. Is that right? Would that be a kind of an understatement? And it's, you know, if you're sitting in a plane and someone else's child vomits on them, you can smell it 18 rows away. And it doesn't matter what they put on the, on the vomit, on the stain, it still smells all the way to the destination. Who's experienced that? So I was kind of praying, God, please don't let him vomit today at the show. It just really wouldn't be a cool thing uh, because I remember when he did vomit and it lasted for a very, very long time. You know, there's nothing worse than being vomited on. Nothing worse than being vomited on. Tonight I want to talk to you about something at the end of the year that I believe really is applicable to every one of our lives. And I want to talk to you about the need to cleanse yourself. The need to cleanse yourself. The need to cleanse yourself. And I want to take you to just the one verse in the Bible tonight, and then I want to talk to you about it. Because I believe many of us are carrying what I'd call negative stress. There are things in our lives we can't quite put a finger on. That's kind of just like a negative stress that we can't seem to locate, touch, or get rid of. And I want to help diagnose and help you diagnose what that is tonight so that you can end the year in an unbelievable way ready for the most exciting year of your life. 2011 has got great, great plans. God has got great things for you. But in the Hebrews chapter 12, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament is written to a group of believers like you. And it's written to this entire group of believers. And, I, and in chapter 12, after the Heroes of Faith Gallery of chapter 11, where he talks about all these amazing people that just lived incredible lives and did incredible things and had incredible attitudes to life. He starts to then unpack, how can you live that kind of life? He starts to talk to this group. He starts to say, listen, if you're going to live this kind of life, understand life is a race. Understand that if you're going to win this race, that you've got to be focused You've got to have an end goal in mind. You've got to know what you're going after. Not only that, but he says, listen, you've got to learn how to persevere. In a world like we we are in right now, which is all about in the Western world, everything being happening today, today, today. You know what? We need to learn a bit of perseverance. He says, you know what? 
you need to run this race because you need to understand there are a whole bunch of people who have gone before you who are watching you run. They're standing in the grandstand of heaven watching your life and wanting to be proud of what you're doing. Want to see you make it. Want to see you conquer. Want to see you overcome. Want to see you become that great man, that great woman that God has destined your life and planned and written out a blueprint for your life to be. So he said, there's a whole group of people that are watching you. He says, if you're going to make it, if you're going to do well, he says, you need to run with that understanding. He says, don't, you know what? You're going to have to strengthen yourself because along the way, it's going to get a bit tiring. So strengthen yourself. He then goes and talks to them and says, listen, don't look behind you. You've got to look in front of you because your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. You've got to stop looking at the past. Life is not about looking in the rear vision mirror. It's about looking out the front and looking at where that GPS has taken you. It's taking you to a great place. He tells us to deal with the issues that get us tangled up. He says, be careful because when you're running this race, there are some things that are going to try to trip you up. And you know, you wouldn't need to be a, a prophet to realize there are people in the place today. All of us have something that trips us up. Wants to make us stumble in our race. Get discouraged. Maybe think about quitting. He tells us that, that, to understand that hard times are sometimes the most propelling times of your life, to embrace the pain, to embrace what you're going through with a passion and say, you know what? I don't like what's happening and I'm praying for it to go. But regardless, while it's still here, I'm going to run this race and I'm going to embrace the pain because there's something about embracing the pain that will build into my life great strength. Then he comes to a verse. After telling you all that stuff in the first 14 verses, he comes to an incredible verse that I want to read out to you tonight and then I want to talk to you about what it means. It says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. I think we got it up on the screen somewhere. It says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Everybody say defile. It's a strong word, isn't it? Defile. It says, listen, see to it that no one, nobody. He's talking about you. He's not talking about the person behind you. He's not talking about uh, just me. He's talking about you and I. See to it that you do not miss the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up among you and defile. How many? Let's read the scripture back up again. And defile many. Everybody say many. Defile many. And what the writer of the Hebrews is trying to say is, listen, one person's attitude can make a mess of a huge amount of people's lives. And tonight I want to not talk to you about your bitterness, your challenge. That's for another day. What I want to talk to you about is this whole concept that the writer of the Hebrews is talking about where he's saying, listen, you need to understand that there is a potential for you to be defiled by somebody else's attitude, bitterness, struggle, challenge, wrong spirit, wrong mindset. He says, see to it that nobody misses out on the grace of God and that none of you get defiled by someone else's personal challenge and bitterness because it will defile you. And he begins to talk. And I, and I sometimes I read that scripture, I, I was like, wow, 
This is not just talking about my personal struggles with an immediate situation. This is talking about the negative stress that I'm carrying because somebody else's problem has been vomited onto me. And I'm now carrying the stain, the stench, and the smell of someone else's attitude. Who's ever walked into a group full of smokers that are puffing away on their smokes? Now, I just want to make the point about it, and that is this. It doesn't matter how many times you've showered that day. It doesn't matter whether your suit's been dry cleaned three times that week. As soon as you walk into the atmosphere of that room, you stay there for 30 seconds and you walk out and you will smell like smoke. You will be defiled. Isn't that correct? Who's had that experience? It's just the truth. When you walk into an atmosphere that someone else has created that's negative or has a smell about it, when you walk out of that place, you carry it on your clothes. In your hair. Well, If you've got hair, you carry it in your hair. Some of us just carry it on our clothes. But you carry it all over. It sticks to you. It becomes part of you. Three hours later, you can smell the smoke on your suit. You can smell the smoke on your hair. You can just smell it. It just gets onto you. And this is what the writer of the Hebrews is talking about. You know, uh, uh, about six months ago, I was sitting down having uh, lunch with a friend. In fact, a guy I hadn't really caught up with for, for about 12 months, uh, but, but he's a good friend I've known for a long time. And we sat down over lunch, and uh, I think we were at... Uh, next generation in the city and I, we were just having lunch and that's when I was fit and, and doing all my exercises, which I'm about to start tomorrow, just to let you know, starting tomorrow. I have two weeks of really full-on exercise to lose about four kilos and then say so Christmas I can just go for it. Anyway, that's my, strat- that's my strategy. I don't want to feel guilty at Christmas time. I just want to be able to, anyway, that's another story for another day. Pastor Tony will correct it next week. Now the point is this, we were sitting having lunch, and he said to me, he says, how are you going? I said, I'm going really good. He says, no, he says I, know, I know you're going good, but how are you really going? Because, and he began to reel off a whole bunch of things that had happened in my world in the last 12 months. He says, I know, for instance, that uh, uh, your wife just had a major operation. He said, I, I know uh, she's been ill for a couple of years and just had this major operation. I know also that... Uh, um, a couple of your really close friends, guys that are on your team for a long time that you grew up are going out to take their own churches. I know that uh, your mother has been diagnosed with bone cancer, incurable bone cancer. I know that there's all those challenges. He said, I know that at the, at the middle of last year, the, towards the end of last year, there were people that used to call themselves your friends that you had helped Help them through all kinds of stuff that just, just a handful, four or five, just turned on you and began to criticize you and Jane and say all kinds of things about you. He says, so how are you? And I said, I'm actually really good. And I said to him, it's one of those moments where you're talking and you're going, you're going you know, I'm really good and you know why? And then I go on to explain why. And as I start to explain it, instead of explaining it, I start to prophesy. It wasn't like, you know, a a big prophecy. Everyone listen in. It was just me talking this this, this kind of God kind of moment where I was declaring what had actually happened. And I said to him, I said, you know why I'm really good? And he said, why? I said, because I've cleansed myself. And now I've never used those words before, but I said it, because I've cleansed myself. 
And I said, hang on, I've actually got to, hey, hey, I've got to preach that. Because this is what God is saying to so many people. If you want to have a great life where the negative stress that you're carrying no longer becomes a burden, you have to cleanse yourself. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to cleanse yourself. You have to cleanse yourself. And I realized that what I'd been doing over the last nine months at that particular point was cleansing myself. Once I realized that other people's issues were defiling me and these situations had the potential to put their stench upon me, I had started to put some things into practice to cleanse myself. Because I can't run a race that God's called me to run if I'm carrying all this baggage and extra weight and things that I don't need in my life. Because all I'll do is get exhausted, tired, run down, unable to cope because that negative stress, someone else's issue can play on my life and cause me trouble. In fact, he goes on and says, see that it doesn't cause you trouble. Now the word trouble, we understand. But he says, you know what comes to to trouble you? It means to close you in. In other words, to give you less operating room, less freedom in your life. And so I started to cleanse myself. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and cause you trouble, for by it, Many, everybody say many, many are defiled. The truth is that all of us in this room tonight have in our lives right now or have had in our lives in recent times people who because of their bitterness and life issues have defiled us. You know, who's, who's ever eaten garlic very freely? Isn't it amazing when you eat garlic, you don't realize, but you've actually just defiled yourself. Now, I love it. It's a great way to defile yourself. But you defile yourself, but you as the garlic eater have no idea that you have. But everybody else does. Isn't that right? Sometimes we're unaware of the fact that the negative stress we're carrying, we don't understand what it is, but other people can tell. And I'm here tonight as a clinician to help you understand what it is so that you will cleanse yourself Because God's got great things and that stuff's just weighing you down. It's time to get rid of other people's defilement and bitterness. Trouble means to crowd you in. Defilement means to make you inconfident, unclean, untrusting. You see, think about why Jesus had to wash the disciples' feet. John chapter 13, the Last Supper, it talks about Jesus taking a towel, being going to wash the disciples' feet. We understand they wore open sandals in a very dusty and dirty well. Now, most people will tell you, you know what, uh, uh, they had to get rid of that dirt off their feet, but it wasn't their dirt. It was someone else's dirt that they picked up along the way. Jesus wasn't cleaning their feet because it was their dirt, which we often hear sermons talking about it's their dirt that need to be cleaned off and all that kind of stuff. Now, they had made it and become part of them, but it wasn't their dirt. What God is trying to say, and Jesus is trying to say, is, listen, I want to wash your feet because you will get defiled by somebody else's dirt and I need to get it off you. You need to cleanse yourself. And Jesus sets a prototype and a template for how we're supposed to live through the actions of washing their feet. He says, you 
need to be cleansed. Remember what Peter says? No, I don't. And Jesus says, oh, yes, you do. If you want to be part of me, if you want to make this journey a successful one. And so Peter goes, well, bath all of me. Jesus says, I don't need you to do that. Just need to do your feet. That'll be enough. Thank you. So God wants you to know, guess what? He wants to get rid of that negative stress you're carrying around that you've been, it's kind of undefined, it's kind of out there. It's kind of just this nebulous big cloud. And God says, you know what? It's because someone else has defiled you that's caused you trouble and defilement. How do you know you've been defiled? Let me give you some things and start to think about your own life in in regards to this. When you've been defiled... It can either be full on or it can be really subtle. As I'm talking, I, I can hear your minds ticking over and you're thinking about people and you can bring to mind instantly people that have vomited on you or their attitude, their bitterness. I'm talking about a boss at work who might have a bitterness towards his ex-wife and it just has come upon your life. I'm talking about a neighbor that has a, has a real issue at home or has a real issue in his own life, just a cranky person and his bitterness is defiling your family. I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about other people in the workplace, wherever it might be. And their stuff gets onto us. So Jesus says, come on, I want you to cleanse yourself. How do you know if you've been defiled? Let me give you some things, six things. For some of you, it's caused an attitude change in you. Your attitude has changed. If you think back to January this year and how your attitude is now, it's been a, 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 there's an attitude change. If you were to take a snapshot of both periods of time, there's an attitude shift inside of you. Maybe you don't trust people as much anymore. You may not trust leaders anymore as much or men anymore or women any, as much anymore. You may not trust your boss anymore because he promised something or did something and now you know what you've been defiled by his lack of authenticity it's caused you maybe to lose your identity get confused I'm not talking about whether you're a man or a woman I'm talking about who you are who am I what am I called to do what am I meant to be how am I meant to live what am I supposed to do with this situation it causes an identity issue maybe for you it's caused the sadness that you can't explain but I guarantee that much of the sadness relates to the defilement of someone else's issue in your life. It may not even be directly related. This is where it gets crazy because I don't even, I'm not even, I'm not even, it's not, the issue's not towards me, but the overflow of their heart comes in my direction and saturates my spirit if I'm not careful. It causes a loss of confidence. It causes us to get uncertain When people are bitter and we're in a relationship with them, they deposit their spirit onto us. Even if they're not bitter with us. But it sits in our soul. It sits in our spirit. And the Bible says an entire community who don't know that person can be defiled by that person's attitudes. Because it spreads. Negativity catches. So I want to talk to you, not just about the problem, but how to cleanse yourself. That's why Jesus washed his disciples' feet because they too needed to be cleansed. So how do you cleanse yourself? If you're taking notes, number one, I'm going to give you five quick points on how to cleanse yourself. Number one, renew a vision and spiritual focus in your life. I was talking, it was awesome, I had a great day in church this morning and afterwards I was talking to a lady who's been praying for her husband. 
for 18 years. And this guy used to come to church, got you know disillusioned, whatever it was, and for 18 years has been a resistant person. And she just told me today the most amazing thing. She said four weeks ago, five weeks ago, he softened his heart, he bowed his heart, he, he, he humbled himself, and he had this incredible breakthrough, and he encountered God in a way that he's not encountered for 18 long years. And he's got now a vision, a spiritual vision to connect with God, with something bigger than himself. You know, so much of our world, this secularized world is talking about you can do it yourself. You can do it yourself. Well, no, you can't do everything yourself. There's a part of your life, there's some point that you need Almighty God to step into your world. Maybe it's in a marriage, maybe it's in a business, maybe it's in a personal situation, but you need Almighty God. But God does not want to be a visitor to your life. He wants to be a resident in your house. He wants to be part of your life and part of who you are. And you can't keep calling Him like you call 911 or triple zero and expect the ambulance to keep coming to pick you up. You've got to say, God, I want a relationship with you and I want you to move into my place Come into my heart, change my heart, and I want to get a spiritual vision to make an impact on my life because I only get one life. I might as well make it a big dream and a big vision. I might as well go hard. You won't get to replay this again. This is the last time we'll have a Sunday night on the, what date is it? The 5th of December in 2010. It'll never come past again. Time is slipping by. You've got to get a spiritual focus and a spiritual vision. The Bible says without one, you will perish. Just as an old-fashioned word to say, you will go nowhere, do nothing, and sit as a couch potato the rest of your life, having achieved nothing looking back over your life, and yet you could achieve so much if you get a spiritual vision. Without it, you're going to die. What God showed me was this, is not just that we will die without a vision, but how we die. The way we die is this. Slowly. Imagine a scenario. This is the picture, the metaphor that I got. Imagine you're on a ship on an ocean liner and suddenly there's a catastrophe and you find yourself in the water and you're two miles away from an island. How many know you've got three options? Number one, there's no lifeboats. Everything's gone. It's just you in the water, an island two miles away and you've got three options. You can either just sink to the bottom and die right there. Number two, you can tread water. But how many know it doesn't matter whether you are Ian Thorpe Grant Hackett, Libby Trickett, anyone else that you can, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Hugel or whoever, you can tread water for eight hours, but you will eventually find the water will get heavy and overwhelm you and you will die. It's just a certainty. Or the third option is you can start swimming towards the island. And vision is like swimming towards something in the future that you can see that you start to swim. As you swim towards it, and you watch, if you've ever done any swimming, and I love swimming, if you ever do any swimming, you know, as you swim forward, the drag on your body becomes less. And if you're like me, what happens is you come right out of the water, and there's barely anything touching the water, you go so fast, and there's no drag at all. But if you stay in the water like a rock, just treading water, thrashing around like a windmill, it will get heavier, 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 and you will succumb to its power. The only way to ride it out is to run forward, to go in that direction and say, "What? I'm going to have a vision. I'm going to get hold of God. I'm going to do something great for God with my life. Have you ever watched people trying to navigate a narrow opening? 
You ever seen someone, you, you watch people, uh, I'm sure you've had this experience, maybe you're one of these people, trying to navigate a small opening. Maybe it's around a corner between a car and a curb, and there's a very small opening, or there's two posts, and you're trying to get through. You watch people do this. They pull their car up really slowly, they start looking over the sides. Inch forward, look over, so, oh, look over the sides. Inch forward, and they take forever to get through. You know what I've discovered about navigating a small opening? Keep your eye on something in the distance, in the medium distance, and just drive towards that. If that's in the middle of those posts, you are going to go right through without any problems. So you have to have your eyes, not focus on what's going around you to move forward, but to focus your eyes. And you might be negotiating a tricky scenario. The, situa- the answer is not to focus on this and on the post, but to focus on something in the future that's ahead of you that you can lay hold of and boom, you'll find yourself through that situation in no time. Who's ever been paintballing? How many know if you ever played paintball where you have to take the other team's flag? That if you decide at the last moment to wander over to get that flag, you're going to get smashed. And not only will you get hit once, you're going to get drilled, 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 drilled. No, what you do is you take a big deep breath and then you run like you have never run in your entire life. You run like the breeze and you run so fast. And you know what? You will get hit a couple of times, but they're just glancing blows when you're running. But when you stand stationary, they become fatal blows. I've seen people with bruises that are five years old after being paintballing. They got drilled, bang, 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 bang. Why? You've got to keep running. If you're finding yourself in a place where you feel all this negative stress, guess what? How to, how to cleanse yourself is to run as fast as you can towards a vision and go hard after that vision. The harder you go, the less painful the blows become. The harder you go, the more you're able to come out of the water and make it to that destination. But if you sit back waiting to be rescued by the water police, you may just die. So start swimming. Number two, we're going to get through these very quickly. Number two, if you're going to cleanse yourself, you've got to follow Jesus' commands in Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. Guess can I give you a a word, just a great thing that you need to practice in your life if you're going to be a person that cleanses themselves? Never talk about somebody. Always talk to them. Jesus' simple command for living a great life was, don't talk about people, talk to them. If you've got a problem with someone, go and talk to them. Go and share with them, with a spirit of reconciliation in your heart. Why? It's the only way to stay undefiled. Otherwise, you talk to people, they live wounded lives all their lives. Because they spend their life talking about people and never talking to people. I went to see someone over a year ago now. I didn't need to go and see them for my sake. I thought I was going to do it because I wanted to help them move forward. And I went and I apologized for something that I'd done, which which was really, in all honesty, quite inconsequential. But I did it because I wanted to help this person who was stuck, who was spinning their wheels, move forward. And you know what? I shared my heart just... Hey, want you to forgive me, blah, 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 blah. And then copped 15, 20 minutes, a tirade of abuse. Just boom, 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 boom. Just sat there, took it, walked out, and I said, look, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. I walked out. You know what? It didn't matter. Because I wasn't doing it. I was doing it for them, but I was really, I didn't realize I was actually cleansing myself. 
And I walked away and I felt, I'm, I'm, I'm relieved of this now. It's no longer on my spirit anymore. I've done what I need to do. You know why? Because I talked to them, not about them. And you know what? And I prepared myself to be verbally bashed, but that's okay because it wasn't about that. It was about cleansing myself. Number three, spend time with people whose positive attitude will cleanse you. I find, found, I made a decision after trying to help somebody that if I can't help them and they refuse to be helped, then I move on and I start to surround myself with positive people that can speak into my life. That's why I love hanging out with Tony. That's why he's become a great friend. Why? Because he's a positive person with a vision and a heart and we talk to one another and we encourage each other. See, when you hang out with positive people, they cleanse you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't reach out to people that are, that are down, uh, uh, struggling, but make sure you're not trying to help 12 at once because you will get pulled over the edge. One at a time and make sure all your friends are up here. Make sure there's only two people that you're reaching out to, not 12 down there and one up here because you guys will not be able to pull them all up. They will pull you down. It's just how it works. You want to cleanse yourself? Hang around with positive, attituded people. Number four, you need to have a fresh encounter with God. Maybe you're in this place and you've never invited Jesus, God's Son, into your life. You may be religious, you may know about God, but you've never actually connected with God. And for those of you that have, when was the last time you had an encounter with God? See, an encounter with God is going to refresh you. It's going to de-stress you. It's going to get rid of the defilement on your life and will cleanse you. At the beginning of this year in January, in fact, the week before Influencers Conference, all that stuff that I've been talking about was taking place. One of my very close friends was dying of cancer and went on to pass away. I had put so much on the line for that person. My wife was about to go on a major operation. All of that stuff was about to unfold. All that stuff from last year has, had been there. And I've got to tell you something, for about a month, for fact, I started holidays last year on December the 5th. And because Jane was sick, we had a month off. Then I came back and she was still sick. She had had this operation that we didn't know about at the time. And uh, during that month, I said, God, I want you to speak to me. God, speak to me. As I began to say, God, speak to me, you know what I heard? Nothing. Second week, second day, third day, speak to me, God, Nothing. I went on for four weeks. I said, I started to confess sins that I did 20 years ago. God, if I've sinned, please forgive me and speak to me. Just tell me anything. Tell me I'm an idiot. I don't care. Just talk to me. Nothing. Nothing. So I started thinking of all the sins I may have thought of committing and repenting of those. I think, you know, God, if I ever thought about doing that, please forgive me. Now speak to me. I remember sitting on the beach up on the Gold Coast and I'm, and I'm listening, talking to God and I hear nothing. But I've discovered this. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, He who searches for God with all his heart will find him. And six weeks later, after hearing nothing for two months, you know, I could get into service and lead a congregation and God would speak to me about them, but not to me, about me. And... Six weeks later, I'm, I'm preparing for Influencers Conference and uh, something else had been added to the pile of defilement just the day I flew out. And I'm up there 
And I start to pray. And on the second night, you see, I've gone through this process of seeking after God. On the second night, God's literal, tangible presence came into the room. And it was like, and God said to me the, this. He said, Ashley, this is a test of your faith. It was, like, it was like an audible voice. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was like, it might as well be, it was so loud. Boom in my spirit. This is a test of your faith. All of this stuff that's going on. Oh, is that what it is? I just thought I was a complete moron. I just thought I'd lost the plot. I just thought I was an idiot. I just thought you didn't care about me anymore. Oh, it's a test of my faith. Well, I know what to do with that. And he spoke to me. He said, Ashley, come on. I'm with you. And I felt his presence in my room. You know what? That moment, all those other issues just disappeared, slid off me, disappeared. All the stress that went out of my hands, fell on the Just never, just, just, I was cleansed by an encounter with God. Maybe you need one of those tonight. Let me tell you, don't start in January. Start now. Say, God, I'm going to seek after you. I'm going to go after you. I need you to talk into my life. There are people in this place that haven't heard God speak to them for months. That would be true of any church anywhere. But God wants you to draw near and he wants you to draw close because he's got something good to tell you about your life. You may not feel you can hear much and sometimes in the swirling noise of what's going on around your life, you can't hear. But keep pressing in because he'll give you one word and that one word will keep you going for a very long time. The fifth thing, the last thing, if we can have our magicians come back at this point, is that you need to. You need to increase your worship time if you want to cleanse yourself. You need to increase your worship time. The fourth point was a fresh encounter with God. That's why we do conferences. They are such a pain to organize. But you know what I know about them for sure? Those three days, concentrated moments, will change my life in a way that six months of Sundays will probably struggle to because it's intense, it's up close, it's consistent, it's shutting out everything else. It's why I encourage people to go to conferences, wherever it is. That's why I go to conferences. Why? Because I know it's a necessary part of me opening my spirit to God talking to me. If you've had not God talk to you for a long time, if you felt like that, then you should be going to a conference somewhere. You should be going. And I'd encourage you to come to Influence and say we're partnering together. Do it. And number five, increase your worship time. This is a really cool concept. And I'll share it very briefly. In the Old Testament, there was a form that God established, a process, a procedure. A bit like when you go online to, on eBay to buy something, there's a procedure. Put in your name, put in your credit card details, where's your address, what's your number, blah, blah, blah. There is a procedure that you have to go through to get access to the object and the product that you want. So God sets up some protocols. If you do this and this and this and this, you will sense my presence. One of the things he talked about was sacrifice. So the priest would sacrifice. But I don't know if you don't, you know, they were called burnt sacrifices because they were burnt. I don't know if you've been in someone's house who's burnt dinner, but it's not a great smell, hey. And it seems to hang around forever. Once that burnt smell gets in, it's like going into a hotel where smokers have used it. It just gets into the wallpaper. It gets into the carpet. It's just there months after. And so they would burn these sacrifices and the smell of that sacrifice would fill the place. Then God says, you know what? Because God's intensely practical. He goes, after you've done that, it's important. It's important that you sacrifice. It's an important component of being 
a follower of Jesus. But he says, I don't want you to smell like a sacrifice. So what I want you to do is I want you to take these four ingredients, frankincense and three others, and I want you to put them on hot coals. And when you do, that powder will explode into this kind of perfume that'll fill the place. A bit like a Glen 20 deodorizer. Like lighting a match. When there's a bad smell in the room. You know that, you know that kind of scenario. And he says, listen, there's this smell of sacrifice, but I don't want you to smell like sacrifice. I want you to smell sweet. So I want you to put this perfume, this frankincense, which is a natural deodorizer, and I want you to walk through it so all of your clothes, your hair, everything becomes refreshed and you smell good. And when you go out, you smell different than when you went in. And the Bible tells us that that incense in the Old Testament is a type of worship and prayer. So when we worship, it's like we open the windows and we blow in this deodorizer into our soul and into our spirit. And as we do, it blows away all of the staleness. It blows away all of the trouble. It blows away all of the grief. It blows away all of the defilement and it starts to cleanse me. And that's why, you know, when I was in church this morning and even tonight, you know, sitting there thinking, oh, it's so good after this week to be in this worship. It just made me feel so different. That's why we worship in church. And tonight, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time just of just singing the song we sang before. And we're going to worship God. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.